inspiration. You were there to help me out. You just saw the need and said, can I help you? We learn a lot from watching other horses and watching other riders. Hello, everyone. I'm Julie Goodnight, and thanks for listening to my podcast about horse training and equestrian sports. It's time for Ride On with Julie Goodnight. Be sure you hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. I appreciate all the ratings and reviews you've left me, and I love the comments and ideas, so please keep them coming my way. Since the last time we recorded, I've been busy with my newest foster horse campaign. It's a lovely thoroughbred ex-race horse, ex-broodmare named Truth Takes Time. She's an 18-year-old broodmare that we're retraining and repurposing as a a family horse, a recreational horse. We don't know exactly what her uh, end game is going to be yet, but we are working hard to get her healthy and fit and conditioned and get her reprogrammed in a riding mindset so that all of that will make her a much more adoptable horse, and we hope to find her forever home. So I've been journaling her training and her progress and her health improvement weekly online on Facebook. We were doing a live post every other Thursday and then a recorded post um, on the Thursdays in between. So that airs at noon Eastern time on my Facebook page at Julie Goodnight. So be sure to check that out. You can also find videos on YouTube that show the same training sessions. If you prefer YouTube, just go to youtube.com slash Julie Goodnight. So we've been having a lot of fun with this mare. I'm so impressed with the progress she's made. She looks awesome. She's going to be quite a great horse for someone. We're excited to start looking for a new family for her. We hope it'll be her final family and her forever home. And probably looking at fall of 2021 for her adoption. So you can follow us online. Again, we post every Thursday at noon Eastern on her progress. I want to thank MyRightHorse.org, who is working nationally to promote uh, the adoption of horses. And you can find out more by going to MyRightHorse.org. And I also want to thank Nexus Equine in Oklahoma City, who we've been working with to get these horses where they need to be. And, of course, to Nutramax Labs. They're the maker of Cosequin, the number one joint health supplement on the market for horses. And they've been supporting us on this project as well. So we really appreciate their support. And I hope you'll tune in and see her progress. Starting to see some increased activities in my calendar. So people are starting to schedule clinics and horse expos or one by one coming on back online for 2022. So I'm really excited about that. I've got a clinic that's open to the public scheduled in Florida, in Central Florida, September 11th and 12th. It's at the Alachua County Ag and Equestrian Center in Newberry, Florida. That's near the Ocala area. It's $400 for riders and $25 for spectators. You can find out more information on this clinic at juliegoodnight.com. Just click on the events tab. I also have three programs coming up at the renowned Sea Lazy U Ranch up in Granby, Colorado this fall. 
In September, we have the popular ranch riding adventures. It's so popular, in fact, it's full to riders, but it doesn't hurt to try to call and get on the waiting list. Also, I have two new programs at Sea Lazy U in October. One is the Saddle Up Women's Leadership Retreat. It's aimed at business executives of all flavors, and it requires no riding experience. In fact, riding is an optional activity at this clinic. It's mainly aimed at leadership skills and using horses and horsemanship as a model for improving your leadership skills. I'm also doing a horsemanship immersion program. This is a five-day intensive program. It's specifically designed for insatiable learners. We're going to study everything about horses from behavior, training techniques, confirmation, way of going. We're going to study their health, nutrition, farrier needs, first aid, um, groundwork, mounted work, riding work, everything you can think of under the sun. We're going to really dig into it deep in this uh, horsemanship immersion course at the Sea Lazy U Ranch. So you can, again, visit juliegoodnight.com and click on the events tab for more information on any of these programs. Also, I'll be in Fort Worth, Texas for the CHA International Conference. That's November 9th to 11th. This is an excellent educational program, and it's open to anyone. And you can find out more about that at cha.horse. I'm super excited to get back to teaching clinics and working hands-on with you and your horses. And until then, you can check out my online short course on building your confidence with horses. You can also check out my membership programs and online coaching programs at juliegoodnight.com join. Plus, we've got some innovative grooming tools, tack, equipment, and educational resources at shop.juliegoodnight.com. Today's podcast topic is about the horse that rears. Whether you're on the ground or in the saddle, it's one of the scariest and most dangerous behaviors of horses. We'll talk about what causes rearing, how to avoid it, what to do if it happens, and most importantly, how to keep safe around a horse that's rearing. Plus, I've got some brand new questions to answer straight from our listeners in my What the Hey? Q&A segment at the end of this podcast. Rearing occurs when a horse stands straight up on its hind legs. Often this is a fear-based behavior, but it also can be a threatening behavior. Um, In other words, a horse that is threatening aggression, a horse that is trying to display dominance. It is often, in those instances, accompanied by striking or sort of paddling with his front feet as a threat of striking. It can also be a communicative behavior in that manner. So if a horse is is posturing towards another horse that he's thinking about becoming aggressive or that he wants to be the dominant one. So... That's not what we see most of the time when we're dealing with horses that rear. In in most instances, when we talk about rearing being a problem with horses, it has to do with either when you're handling a horse from the ground or riding the horse from his back. And in those both those instances, rearing is super dangerous for both the horse and the person because 
first of all, for the horse, if if the horse were to turn over when he stands straight up, if he loses his balance and falls backwards, he can easily strike his head on a hard object and it could, you know, kill him dead on the spot. So this is not entirely uncommon. If you have a horse that rears straight up and then something causes the horse to lose his balance or the horse overestimates the the movement and just loses his balance and tumbles over. If he strikes his head on the ground, his pole on the ground as he comes down, that can be life-threatening. Also, obviously, there could be other musculoskeletal injuries from that. And then, of course, the danger that exists for the person, whether you're, you know, obviously, if you're on the horse's back and he turns over, that's, (laughs) you're between the hard spot and the horse, so that's pretty scary. And also, if you're on the ground with the horse and he rears up, he could potentially come down on top of you and in the process of rearing, pull you into a dangerous um, location. So it's a scary, scary behavior, one of the most dangerous behaviors of horses and not something to be taken lightly. Most often when we're dealing with rearing, uh, when humans are dealing with a horse rearing, so it's not a horse-to-horse activity, but a horse and a human is involved, it often has something, has to do with something he doesn't want to do. He's refusing to do something. He's afraid to do something. Um, Or it can be a fear or a pain-based behavior. And so, in other words, if a horse has an injury that you're unaware of, let's say he has a, a problem with his back or a problem in his hocks, And a certain movement, which you're also unaware of, causes pain when you ask him to do it, then he knows when you ask him to do that maneuver that it's going to hurt him. And he, he may be refusing, rearing in refusal to do something because actually he knows it's going to hurt when he does it. So there's all kinds of different causes of why a horse might be rearing, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Some horses are definitely more prone to the behavior than others. I often think of it as a mannerism or an expression of a horse. In other words, all horses rear, all horses buck, all horses strike, bite, and kick. However, some display these behaviors more often than others. So you might have a horse that uses his front feet a lot to communicate, to gesture when he doesn't like something. He paws a lot. He threatens to strike out a lot. You might find a horse that's that way with his hind feet and kicking. You might find a horse that's more prone to bucking and kicking out than he is any of those other behaviors. And so that's what I mean by a mannerism. It's it's just a fallback behavior for that horse. For most horses, rearing is not that. But for some horses, it's just a it's it's a go-to behavior for them, and so it it happens uh, than it more often than it does in other horses. Some horses will threaten to rear a lot, but never actually rear. And we're going to talk in a minute about the difference between a rear threat and a rear. And it's important to understand that while Many horses will act like they're going to rear. 
not that many actually do rear. So we're going to distinguish between rear threats and actual rearing. And you can never know ahead of time what whether the whether or not the horse is going to make good on his threat and 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 transition from um, threatening to rear to rearing. But it's just important to keep in mind that just because a horse threatens to rear doesn't always mean he's going to become a rearing horse. Let's talk for a minute about the causes of rearing or, in other words, the context in which rearing can occur. And I think this is one of the most interesting aspects of rearing is that it is a behavior that can have two opposite causes. And most often when we see rearing in horses, whether we're riding the horse or handling it from the ground, it is either in a refusal to move forward or when forward motion is inhibited in the horse. And let me explain that by giving you a couple of examples. Let's say I'm riding a trail horse and it's a horse that's afraid to cross water. Or maybe he's not afraid to cross water. He just doesn't want to cross the water. And so I walk him up to this creek. Maybe he crosses certain crossings, but this one's a little scary. It's got trees hanging across it. It's got rocks in it. The water's moving. It's got steep banks on both sides. And my horse says, no, I don't think I'm going to go there. And I say, yes, you are. And a little battle ensues. It's a war of the wills. And in that instance, if I keep pushing that horse forward into something he doesn't want to do, he may rear up. And in that case, rearing is a refusal to move forward when I'm asking him to move forward. So he's planting his feet and he's going straight up in a very clear message that says, no, I'm not going forward. So that's one cause. Another cause would be, let's say I'm on that same trail ride with that same horse and I'm riding in a group of people and there's eight of us and I'm all the way in the back and all of a sudden the seven horses in front of me decide to take off trotting or cantering, but I want to hold my horse back and continue walking. So I start holding my horses back as they take off. That would be another really common time to experience rearing in a horse. And that in that case, the horse is rearing because his forward movement is inhibited. He wants to go forward and I'm not letting him. And so it's really interesting to think about these two opposite causes. It's when it can be caused when you're asking a horse to go forward into something he doesn't want to do. And in that case, it's a refusal to move forward. Or it can be when you're holding a horse back and disallowing him to move forward and he's really highly motivated to move forward. So those are kind of two opposite situations. And it should be really clear to you in the moment which one it is because you're either holding the horse back or making him go forward. Now, we don't know exactly why he's refusing. We do know in the case of the horse being held back, that's just an instinctive behavior of horses. When the other horses move away, their instinctive drive to move with them is huge. And so in that instance, easy solution is just don't do that. Don't try to hold back a horse when all the other horses are running away, you know, do deal with that in a different way. Don't let the scenario happen to begin with. But in a refusal to move forward, we don't always know right off the bat whether the whether that is a fear-based behavior, whether it is an obstinance-based behavior. Maybe this horse is uh, 
crosses other kinds of creeks and he's just kind of taking a stand on this one for some reason. Let's say I'm asking a horse to get in a horse trailer and he doesn't want to and I keep urging him forward, you might see rearing in that situation. That's just the horse saying, no, I refuse to go forward when you're asking me to because I'm not going to do that. When that horse refuses, we don't know if it's from fear. We don't know if it's from pain. We don't know if it's from poor training or absence. We can figure these things out with a little bit of detective work and a little bit of thinking on it and a little bit of experimenting with that horse. But you don't always know right away what's the root cause of the problem. It is something we want to get, get to the root of, though, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But first, let me get back to rearing versus rear threats. And these are really distinctly different behaviors, and they should be differentiated in your mind. So the horse that is displaying rear threats, that's a communicative gesture that is warning you that he's not taking it, I'm not going to do this, and I'm about to rear. So just like in a kick threat, when a horse cocks his hind foot and sort of moves his hip into you, uh, that's a threat to kick, not a kick itself. The rear threat occurs when the horse pops up a little bit off his hind, uh, front feet. He may even just throw his head up, toss his head up really fast and act like he's going to come up off his hind feet, or he may, uh, sorry, and act like he's going to come up off his front feet, or he may actually hop up off his front feet a little bit, like, oh, six inches, maybe even a foot. These are all communicative gestures that the horse is telling you, no, I'm refusing you, no, I'm refusing you, and that he's threatening that this behavior will escalate if you keep pushing me. It's important to understand the difference between rear threats and rearing. Rear, rear threats are not very dangerous. The horse is barely coming up off the ground. He's just He's just gesturing his intention and not actually doing it. But the problem is if a rear threat gets the horse any advantage at all, he will employ that tactic again. And it may eventually lead to full rearing. It may not. Some horses that are very free to express themselves with rear threats will actually never rear. But for some horses, that can escalate into rearing behavior. And so it should always be taken as a pretty serious threat, as should all threatening behavior from horses. The horses will threaten aggression much more often than they actually will be aggressive, but you don't get to know that in advance. And it could be a bluff, but it may not be. So you have to treat it pretty seriously as if it will escalate. And above all else, we don't want a horse to develop a habit of rearing. So we want to make sure we nip that behavior in the bud. If getting back to the rear threat, getting the horse any advantage, uh, we see spoiled horses uh, often do a lot of rear threats because it generally intimidates the rider and the rider caves in. And so if you're asking that horse to do something he doesn't want to do, like go in the creek, and he pops up a couple of times on you threatening to rear, so you turn him around and leave and just abandon that mission, 
he will, on the very first instance of that learn, he will immediately associate his threatening gestures with getting what he wants. And so we end up with a horse that has learned a tactic to get what he wants. And he's learned a tactic that frightens the rider and makes the rider cave in. And this is the worst of all situations because it, the behavior becomes worse and worse until the horse is confronted on his refusal. If the rider has a lack of confidence to confront the horse, the horse knows it. So he just continues the behavior. So we want to make sure when a horse is threatening bad behavior, he doesn't get what he wants out of it. And even if that means, you know, maybe you have to make the executive decision that I'm not going to get this horse off, uh, across the creek, so I need to go to plan B, we just want to try to think through what is the horse trying to get? How does he benefit? And I want to make sure I take that benefit away even if I don't think I can accomplish the original objective. So if what he's trying to do is get back to his friend, I want to make sure I don't take him back to his friend. If what he's trying to do is not get his feet wet, I want to make sure he gets his feet wet first or something. So you just want to make sure that the horse doesn't benefit from threatening behavior in any way. Any release of pressure is a benefit to him. And if he benefits from threatening behavior, it just encourages more threatening behavior, obviously. Now let's talk about what you are going to do when and if the horse does rear. Again, you might be on the ground trying to get the horse into a trailer or get the horse across a bridge or whatever. He doesn't want to do it. You may be riding the horse and um, that's, that's a different scenario that's a little bit more dangerous because of the threat of the horse turning over if he does rear. But they're all dangerous behaviors. And interestingly, no matter what the cause of the rearing is, the solution is always the same. And it's always to move the horse forward by whatever means are available to you and in whatever direction you can get him to go. Because forward motion is the antithesis of rearing. And the horse cannot rear and move forward at the same time. So moving the horse forward is always a solution. How do you do that? Well, first we have to have an understanding of the cause. Is this a refusal to move forward or am I holding the horse back from moving forward? If you're holding him back from moving forward, it's simple, simple solution. Let the horse go forward. I'm not saying you have to let him run away with you. I'm not saying you have to um, let him go in the direction he wants to go, but you have to let him move forward so that he stops rearing. If the horse is rearing in a refusal to move forward, that makes it a little bit harder. But knowing that I have to reestablish forward movement in order to stop the rearing, I will cause him to turn in either direction. If I turn him in either direction, he will have to move forward. In other words, I can zigzag him back and forth right to left until it causes him to move his front feet forward. And then um, if I have to turn him away from what he's afraid of, I might have to do that just to stop the rearing. So just keep that in mind. If the horse is rearing, we need to reestablish forward movement. Let's talk for a minute about some of the safety issues involved with a horse rearing. 
as I just said, obviously it's more dangerous when you're riding a rearing horse than when you're on the ground, although being on the ground is not without its safety concerns. The number one danger to both the horse and the human is the potential for the horse to turn completely over. Uh, He will have lost his balance. He will not do that intentionally. Something will have caused him to lose his balance. Either he went up too high, the footing gave way, or somebody pulled on him. But that's the greatest danger, that the horse would actually turn over, completely turn over and throw himself to the ground. That could be potentially fatal to the horse, also to the human if they happen to be between the horse and the ground. So anytime rearing can be avoided, it should be. If it's a predictable situation, then you should avoid it and you should go back to basics and figure out the cause so that you can eliminate the behavior Horses that are prone to rearing are dangerous. If, they're, if they rear at the drop of the hat or anytime things go wrong, if they rear straight up and stand straight up, sort of hovering in that uh, place of, of turning over, these are horses that are a little over the top on their behavior, and they're pretty dangerous. They should uh, only be ridden by the most competent riders and with always uh, attention paid to avoiding the situation that would lead to rearing. From the ground, if you have a horse that's rearing, one of the most important things for people to understand is that you can never pull on the lead rope, never pull a rearing horse as if you are going to stop him from rearing. That will only make him rear higher and harder and potentially make him lose his balance and fall over. So when a horse is pulling back or rearing, a horse that's in hand with halter and lead, if he goes to pull back or rears up, you should never pull on that rope. First of all, what are, what is good as pulling going to do? He's a thousand pound animal and he's moving hard. Your 150 pounds is not going to have an impact on stopping him. Secondly, and most importantly, If you pull on the lead rope of a horse that's pulling back or rearing, that pressure on his pull will actually make him pull back harder. If you release the pressure on the lead rope, he'll generally quit going back or up. So your pulling can actually make matters worse. And if you're pulling on a horse that's rearing straight up and then you release the pressure and he had... He had, he had gauged his balance based on the pressure you had on the lead rope, and then all of a sudden you release the pressure, he's going to fly over backwards because you, your resistance was holding him upright. So it, the, the first, and our instinct is always to pull back on that horse, and it's, it's just the wrong thing to do. So you want to give him slack, kind of move with him, And then when he comes down, then you want to deal with trying to make him, uh, get him to move forward. The same problem occurs under saddle, actually. And when a horse rears up under saddle, people understandably become afraid. And when a rider becomes afraid, they instinctively pull back on the reins. So what happens in the case of the rider, in, in case of the horse that's rearing with a rider on its back is that people instinctively and reflex, reflexively 
grab more contact on the reins. And this can actually cause the horse to lose his balance and can actually pull him over backwards. Sometimes what will happen is when the horse rears up suddenly, the rider simply loses her balance and the rider falls back, grabbing the reins in the process. And so the rider actually loses her balance and pulls the horse over back on top of him. And that's a, obviously a very dangerous situation. And so what you want to do on a rearing horse is as you feel him come up underneath me, as I, this is what I do. When I feel the horse come up off the ground, and I can tell the, the difference between a, a rear threat and hopping and an actually standing straight up on the hind legs will be a significant difference in momentum. And when I feel that horse going up, I immediately um, bring lean forward so my chest comes to his neck. And I, leaving my hands on the reins, I wrap both arms completely around the neck of the horse. So I'm holding on to the neck of the horse as if I'm riding the neck of the horse. That way, with certainty, I am not pulling back on the horse because I'm holding on to his neck and not the reins. The reins are still in my hand. I'm never going to let go of the reins. I'm just not pulling on him because I'm, I'm hugging the horse around his neck. This brings my weight forward, so it makes the horse want to come down, and it also exclusively prevents me from pulling back on the reins. If you get in the habit of going forward and grabbing the horse around the neck when he rears, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to just immediately go back down and then you reestablish control of the horse. Or if he feels like he's going to fall over and he's sort of hovering straight up, at that moment, you're actually not very far from the ground because the as the horse starts to come over, he goes, he sits down onto his butt first. And it's so... If I feel like there's a chance that that rearing horse is going to turn over, as I grab him around the neck, I'm going to slip both my feet out of the stirrups so that if he sits down as he starts to roll over backwards, I can just step off the horse pretty easily. At that time, you're really actually close to the ground already, and so you just step off the horse. So keeping your wits about you, on a rearing horse and remembering to lean forward, grab around his neck, take your feet out of the stirrups if you think it's going to get bad, and step off the horse if you need to. When you come off a horse, you never, ever, ever hang on to the reins. No matter what reason you're coming off a horse, always let go of the reins because the potential for pulling the horse onto you is so great if you hang on to those reins. So that's a lot to remember when things are going wrong on a horse and you're getting scared, but it's actually not that hard to do. If you could just keep your wits about you, when the horse rears, grab him around the neck, get your weight forward, and prevent yourself from pulling on the reins. A couple of safety issues that I want to talk about in terms of how you deal with a horse that is either rearing or threatening to rear First of all, it's important to understand that balking can lead to rearing. And if you have a horse that balks, and what we mean by that is that he plants all four feet firmly in the ground, 
sort of with his feet splayed out and his and his legs stiff, the balking horse is either refusing to move forward or he has temporarily lost his ability to move forward because he's mentally shut down. And what often can happen in the case of a balking horse is that when you do finally get him to, to move, he moves forward explosively. And sometimes uh, that balking horse, instead of moving forward, can go straight up into a rear. So when I get a horse in a situation where he's balking and it just like, no matter what I do, nothing's going to get him to move forward. I know that there is a potentially dangerous situation beyond that. So I want to somewhat gingerly try to reestablish forward motion in that horse by taking him side to side, right to left, right to left, gently at first until I finally unstick his front feet until one of them steps to the side. And then I'll go back the other way and the other foot will step. And so we'll just gradually try to bring the horse back to forward movement in order to avoid the explosive forward movement. When you're dealing with a horse that's rearing, it's really important. In the moment, you have to do what you have to do, which is move the horse forward. But after the crisis, the immediate crisis is over, we really need to go back and try to understand what's causing the problem. First and foremost, is it pain? Are you asking the horse to do something he is trained to do and normally does well and normally does without complaint? Is this inconsistent in some way? Is it unlike your horse? Did he used to be really good at this and now he's not? These are all red flag warnings that you could be dealing with a pain issue. Like I said before, it could be something small in his hocks. It could be something big in his back, anything in between. But he knows that moving in that certain way is going to cause the pain. And it's really hard to train a horse out of that situation. If he knows what you're asking him to do is going to cause him pain, he's not going to do it. So that's my first concern. Secondly, I want to try to assess, is this honest fear and understandable fear of the horse, or is it just bad behavior? Has he gotten away with something in the past? Let's say in the case of trailer loading, has this horse just gotten away with not getting in the trailer so many times that he's become a pro at it? Because sometimes that's the case. Sometimes people have let horses get away with so much bad behavior that it, it becomes ingrained in their behavior. And if that's the case, I'm going to address it a little bit differently than if I think it is truly fear. By the way, you can't always know. However, in the case of trailer loading, it's pretty easy to, to discern because a fearful horse will not eat. In any circumstance, a horse that is afraid will not eat. No matter how good the cookie is you pull out of your hand, it, it will not eat a horse that's afraid. So if I'm trailer load, teaching a horse to trailer load that doesn't want to get in the trailer, I always have a bucket of grain in the trailer so that when he gets in, I can reward him. But you, an easy thing to do if I'm unsure of the, if the horse is just being obstinate and has gotten away with this stuff and so has learned some bad tricks or is he truly afraid, is I'll offer him a handful of grain. If he eats it right away, I know this is just bad behavior 
if he won't touch it, I know that he's truly afraid. And I have to approach it a little differently than the horse that's just being obstinate. So is this a case of a lack of training in the horse? He just has no idea what it is you're asking him to do. You, you've overfaced him in that moment. You, you put him in a position that you have not equipped him to deal with. And if that's the case, that's your bad. You, you put the horse in a situation he wasn't ready for and you came up against a wall and you're the one that made the mistake, not the horse. And so you have to also take an honest look at that and say, okay, what did I do here that was wrong? How can I go back and fill in what's lacking in this horse's training or build confidence in other areas, take it a little more slowly, break it down to smaller steps, whatever the horse needs. Is it simply a matter of inadequate leadership from the rider or the handler and the horse is just simply refusing the person because they're doing all the wrong things? Well, again, then that's a problem we have to fix with the human, not with the horse. Could be a problem with separation anxiety, like when when that herd of horses takes off in front of you and you're trying to hold that horse back. You know, some horses can handle that. Some horses have the confidence and the training level to handle it just fine. Other horses don't. So are you actually dealing with a high level of anxiety in that horse that just comes out at, at the worst times? Understanding the root causes of why the horse is rearing will help you avoid the situation, train around the situation. In the case of pain, we can uh, fix a problem that the horse has that we maybe didn't know he had before. And I remember a horse we had on the TV show, and she was a beautiful uh, warm blood mare. She was a high-level performer, a jumping horse. And her behavior had gotten progressively worse, and the owner could tell the days that she would be bad and the days that she would be good when she lunged her. So she would saddle her up and lunge her, And she could just tell by the way the horse acted on the lunge line whether or not it was going to be a good day or a bad day. And the problem, we were initially approaching it as a training problem, but there were a few red flags to me. Whenever a horse that's well-trained stops performing well, that's almost always a pain issue. And so there was some red flags in that department. There really wasn't a good reason for this horse to be refusing to work. A secondary red flag that something's going on here physically because I hadn't even asked her to do anything yet. And then also when I did get on her and I eased down onto the saddle, I could just feel that she was shaking all over. I could feel that she was afraid. And I had somebody at her head leading her and soothing her and we got her to walk a few steps, but she was so gripped with fear that I could just feel it in her whole body. So I got off her, and the long and the short of it was she did have a pretty serious back problem, and it was causing her pain. There was nothing wrong with that horse other than the pain she was feeling, and it took some time. It took some chiropractic, a series of chiropractic treatments, time, healing, reconditioning, And that horse went on to become a very successful jumper again and never was there ever a problem with rearing again with that horse. So pain can really uh, be a root cause. Uh, It's not always. Sometimes it's lack of training. 
Sometimes it's poor handling and poor training. Sometimes it's the fault of the person. There are times and situations in which any horse would rear. But if it's dealt with properly and safely, the problem should go away. It's only when horses develop a habit of rearing that it becomes a threat that is occurring on a regular basis, that it's evolving into refusing to do other things, or that the horse benefits from rearing or loses their fear of turning over, that rearing becomes a critical problem. Most of us are not going to be dealing with horses that rear. It's unusual, number one. Number two, it's not a problem we would ever um, intentionally allow a, an intermediate or beginner rider to deal with because it's so seriously dangerous. And if handled wrong is when it really becomes a safety issue. So most of us are not going to have the thrill of dealing with a horse that rears, but any of us could encounter it from time to time. It is a natural behavior of horses. It's going to happen. So the more you know about it, the more you understand what the solutions are, what the causes are, how to avoid the problem, the safer you will be around horses. The bottom line is that you should always recognize that rearing is a warning sign of problems. Either you have physical problems, mental problems, or training problems. So find the root cause and make a plan to address the deficiencies. And now it's time for my favorite segment, What the Hey Q&A. We pick a few unique questions from our listeners each month and answer them on the air. If you'd like to submit a written question for What the Hey, please go to my Facebook page at Julie Goodnight Horsemanship or email podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Our first question comes from Sherry Lewis from Facebook Messenger. Sherry says, I've been working with my mare doing flexion by bringing her nose around each way while riding, and she does well with this. On occasion, when I am in the arena planning to go right, she will do a quick left. When this happens, I flex her right and move on. I notice I am pulling the bit right through her mouth at times, with the outside shank ending up in her mouth. By the way, I am using a Myler low port curb on her. Please help. Thank you so much. Okay, well, I'll tell you right off the bat, Sherry, there's a few things I don't quite understand. So when you say that you're doing lateral flexion while riding, I'm not sure if you mean that you're on the horse standing still asking the horse to give right to left or if you're riding the horse forward and doing lateral flexion while you're moving forward. So the latter thing, asking a horse to flex laterally while walking straight forward, is, is an advanced training technique sometimes employed by professional trainers. But it's, a, it's something I would caution you from doing. Often this is called hinging a horse. And so what we do is, for instance, you ask the horse to flex, all, flex his nose all the way to the left vertically 
but continue to walk or trot straight forward. So he's walking or trotting straight forward with his let with his neck flexed all the way to one side. That's called hinging. And while it can serve a purpose, and if it's done correctly, most often by professional or very high-level riders, it, it can develop certain skills in the, in the horse. However, if that is done poorly, what you're tr- actually teaching the horse to do is run through the bridle. What you're teaching the horse to do is not turn. And so because you go on to say that occasionally when I'm in the arena planning to go right, she goes left, that's the part that makes me wonder what's going on there. If you are, if you are overdoing your lateral flexion, uh, you're doing it too much while you're asking the horse to move forward. And so in that process, you're losing your steering capabilities. So without watching you and knowing, it's hard for me to say, but these are the concerns that come to my mind. And look, if you have a horse that goes left when you want it to go right, that is a training issue and an obedience issue. And other than what I just mentioned, it really has nothing to do with lateral flexion. And so if you say you're planning to go the right and the horse goes to the left, and so then you just do a quick lateral flexion. That lateral flexion has nothing to do with that. And so the most basic obedience in a horse is that you control direction and speed. And what you're describing to me is that you don't always control the direction. So you have an obedience issue with your horse. and You have a lack of authority with your horse, if that's the case. If the horse is turning left when you want it to go right, my immediate question is, what is it turning toward? And it's almost certainly the gate or another horse. It's turning in a direction it wants to go instead of the way you're asking it to go. So I see this more as a very basic level obedience issue that has nothing to do with lateral flexion unless you're overflexing this horse and in doing so you've lost all your steering. So that's something for you to consider. As far as pulling the bit through the horse's mouth, that also to me is a red flag that something's going wrong in your lateral flexion. And so when we ask, so lateral flexion done properly means that I give the horse a small and subtle cue with my rein, which is just going to be a little flutter of pressure with my fingers and that the horse gives to it and puts slack in the reins. Lateral flexion does not mean pulling the horse's nose to the right or pulling it to the left. If you're pulling the nose manually to the right or left, that is not lateral flexion, and that is probably what's causing your horse to uh, run through his shoulder in the turn. So if you're pulling the bit through the mouth, that takes particularly a curb bit, that takes a lot of pressure, and that's not what lateral flexion is. So I think that's another red flag too. If I am riding a horse that's um, I asked to turn right and it's refusing to turn right, and then it's leaning its shoulder to the left and getting heavier and heavier in my hand, I'm going to start using my left leg in a in a pulsating, kicking, slapping kind of motion. I can't just keep pulling more pressure on the nose. 
So I think you've got some execution problems here for sure if you're pulling the bit through the mouth. So I want to go back to lateral flexion just being uh, you shorten one rein, you give a slight flutter to the rein with your fingers, and that's all the pressure you use, and you wait for the horse to give. As soon as the horse gives by turning his nose towards your hand, you stop the pressure. So the horse gets an immediate release of pressure as soon as he starts giving. So I have a lot of information on my website about lateral flexion, so you might want to check out some of the articles and videos there. Just go to juliegoodnight.com, and you'll find a search bar where you can search um, lateral flexion or running through the shoulder um, or running through the bridle and see if you can hit on a solution for your particular situation. Our next question comes from Sharon Bowen Sledge from Facebook Messenger. And this question has been edited for its clarity. And Sharon says, I would like a little more control. My horse is great, except he likes to stop and eat in the worst places. How do I stop him from doing this? Well, Sharon, good question. And I would say you need a lot more control. So this is one of the most basic forms of control of your horse. And I want you to just step back and think for a minute about horses in the herd. Um, in the horse herd, there is what we call a linear hierarchy, and most people call that the pecking order. And we know that in any group of horses that there's a horse at the top. We Behaviors refer to him as the alpha individual. He's the one at the top of the pecking order. And then the horses line out, and then there's one all the way at the bottom of the pecking order, and that's called the omega horse. And there are, are really only two factors involved in horses establishing dominance in the hierarchy. And one of the biggest ones is that the dominant horse controls the resources of the herd. And the biggest resources of the herd are food and water. And so horses take away food from other horses in order to gain dominance. If you have a horse that you're either leading from the ground or riding who just stops what he's doing, jerks the reins out of your hand or the rope out of your hands and goes to eat, that horse has no respect for your authority. That horse thinks he is in complete control of the resources and that he can just do whatever he wants whenever he wants. So you have a pretty big authority problem going with that horse. And it's not just an annoyance because it's going to carry into every aspect of your horsemanship. And guess what? It is going to get worse. So once a horse feels like he controls the resources, he's going to take more and more control of other things. And that is something that's definitely going to escalate. So you need to look at all areas of your horsemanship to figure out where you're giving away your authority or how you get more authority with your horse. You maybe need to think about doing some groundwork, taking some clinics, doing some groundwork exercises that help you establish more control of your horse. But if I'm riding a horse that is trying to jerk the rein out of my hand and graze, 
what I will do is shorten one rein and lock it against the pommel of the saddle anytime I feel him diving for the grass. If you're riding in a Western saddle, you can lock one rein across that horn so that when he dives down for the grass, he hits a solid object instead of pulling your arm forward. You will never just with your arm and body weight stop a horse that's diving for the grass. So you have to lock that rein somehow so that, and just one rein, because if you do both, he's going to pull you forward. Both reins aren't going to bother him. But, but if you lock one rein when he goes to dive down, it'll hit the corner of his mouth pretty hard and it will uh, discourage him. So as with all behaviors, you have to find the amount of pressure that motivates change in the horse. So that may be quite a lot of pressure on the rein to get him to quit, quit trying to jerk it out of your hands. Also, I would kick him forward at the same time and make him trot so that every time he tries to do that, it gets worse for him. He has to work harder and it just becomes not worth it in the end. But I think you also need to look in all corners of your relationship with this horse and start establishing more leadership with this horse, start increasing your authority, doing exercises with him, particularly from the ground that gain you a little bit more control. And you have to be more clear on what the rules are. You probably are letting this horse get away with some other stuff that he shouldn't be doing. Um, Make sure you're not hand feeding this horse, all those kinds of things. And I think you'll find little by little, you will gain more control of this horse. Our last question comes from Kathy Scully via email. And Kathy says, what are the best steps to ride a horse on a trail without a bit? Thank you. Well, when people ask the question, is it okay to ride my horse in a bitless bridle out on the trail? I always have these two questions. Number one, can you stop your horse anytime under all circumstances, 100% of the time? Is, Is stopping your horse ever difficult? And if they hesitate, or say, well, sometimes it's difficult, then uh, that would be a red flag to me. The second thing I would ask is, what does your horse do when he spooks? All horses spook. What does your horse actually do when he spooks? So generally horses fall down in one of two ways. Either when they spook, they do what we call the quarter horse spook, which is just a startle, and then they plant their feet and don't move. The other kind of spook is nothing like that. The other kind of spook is a true uh, flight response. And that horse wheels around 180 degrees and then takes off at a dead run. So that's called a spin and bolt. If you have a horse that spins and bolts when he spooks, you probably want to ride that horse with a bit. There's probably never going to be a time when you could trust the horse enough to ride it without a bit in an uncontrolled environment, such as riding out in the wilderness. So those are two considerations. Now, another thing to think about is that the bit is first and foremost a means for um, negating the flight response in the horse. So, So the bit gives you the ability to stop a horse that's in flight. First and foremost, that's the number one purpose of the bit. 
And so by asking you, do you ever have any trouble stopping your horse and what does your horse do when he spooks, what I'm really getting to is if this horse bolts on you, are you going to be able to stop it without a bit in its mouth? And there are plenty of horses out there for which you can do that, but there are also plenty for which you cannot. And so you have to be smart about this. You have to understand there's a reason why bits were invented, and that is the reason why, to nullify the flight response in the horse or to give you the ability to control a horse that's in flight. Secondly, most well-trained horses became well-trained with a bit. And you can certainly train horses in a hackamore. You can train them in a rope halter. You can ride them in a side pull or a bitless bridle. But eventually, you reach a point in training that you can no longer continue to uh, progress the horse's training without a bit in his mouth because at the level you're training, what you're asking him to do is so difficult that it is only through the pressure of the bit that you can actually accomplish the training. Not just the bit, but that's one factor. So in most instances of people riding bitless, they're riding a horse that's already well-trained and he used a bit to become that well-trained. But once the horse is that well-trained, you don't even need a bridle at all if you're a good rider. So I think it's important for people to understand that if you have a really well-trained, calm, obedient, experienced horse, you can certainly ride bitless. You can certainly ride in a rope halter or hackamore or whatever because that horse is well-trained and reliable. But if you're riding a skittish horse, a flighty horse, a spooky horse, a poorly trained horse, for me, I would want a bit in his mouth, particularly if I'm going out on the trail in an uncontrolled environment. Look, when I'm riding in my indoor or outdoor arena with a fence on it on my own property, I know no dogs are going to jump out and attack my horse. I know a herd of elk aren't going to run by I know all those things won't happen, and so I have a little bit more freedom to experiment. But when you're out on the trail, and, you know, I live in the Rocky Mountains, so when we talk about going out on the trail, we're talking about going into a wilderness area. I had a moose jump out uh, on a hike in front of me, not 20 feet in front of me, um, the other day when I was walking. If I had been on a horse, that horse, almost any horse, would have bolted um, with a moose popping out in front of him. So depending on the environment you're in, the horse's um, temperament, training, and all of that, but the best steps to learn to ride in any circumstance without a bit is to have a horse that has previously been well-trained with a bit. And then if that horse is compliant and responsive and doesn't spook and all of that, there's not really much you need to do to prepare him to ride without a bit. Just make sure you can stop him. And whatever bridle configuration you're using, if you're going to go out on the trail with the horse, make sure you have the ability to stop that horse in any circumstance. If I am working up to riding without 
a bit, we, which is our ultimate goal on all of our horses, um, but not to ride in a bitless bridle, but to ride without a bridle at all to have that ultimate control on the horse. But I don't go out on the trail that way. <laughs> I just do it in the arena. So what we want to do is develop cues that don't involve the reins. And so we work a lot on stopping from the seat. We work on stopping from a voice cue. We work on stopping from our leg position. We work on turning the horse with a body cue and not a pull on the reins. So as the horse progresses in his training, first we start with a snaffle bit. We may, depending on the training we do, progress him to a curb bit for a higher level of training. And then at some point we are using so little pressure on the reins and we're cueing the horse using our arms and our our seat and our legs and our voice and not relying on the reins that by the time you get to that point with the horse you could ride him with anything on his head and he would be responsive so those are the steps i would use and the things i would think about in terms of riding your horse on a trail without a bit first and foremost make sure it's a safe thing to do um, and think it through does this horse really have the adequate training he needs to be ready to ride this way you so much for joining me today and listening to my podcast. You know, in a perfect world, you would never have to deal with a horse that rears. But when it happens, it's good to be armed with knowledge and some solutions. Remember, the number one priority with a horse that is rearing is to move it forward, since it can't rear and move forward at the same time. But how you do that depends on the situation and the reason why the horse is rearing to begin with. I hope you found some useful information here that will help you when and if you do encounter this difficult situation. No matter where you are in your horsemanship journey, whether you're new to horses or an old hand, whether you're training a green horse or refining your higher level skills, I hope you found some helpful information here to make your horse life better. Next month on my podcast, I'll tackle another horse training topic that you've been asking for. So please join me. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And I love sharing my horse care and training experience with you. I appreciate all your feedback, suggestions, and questions. I'd love to hear what topics interest you the most. So if you have questions for What the Hay or podcast topics you'd like me to address, please message me on Facebook. My page is at Julie Goodnight, or email me at podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Thanks again for your awesome comments and for the five-star ratings. It helps me out a lot, and it helps us rise in the rankings so more horse lovers like you and me can find this podcast. Don't forget to check out my online membership programs. You'll find the solutions you need when you need them. You can subscribe to my full training library with hundreds of videos, audios, and articles, all searchable content. Or enroll in my horsemanship short course on building confidence. We're adding more short courses and webinars to help you reach your horsemanship goals. Or you can join at the premier level, the Interactive Academy, where you receive a 12-month training curriculum and personalized coaching from me. Go to juliegoodnight.com slash join and start your ride. I'm Julie Goodnight. Thank you for listening 
And please, stay safe and enjoy the ride. Be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com academy for more in-depth training advice. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your good review on iTunes so more horse lovers just like you can find my podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy the ride. Thank you.